Well, good morning, everyone. I should say good evening, everyone. It is my privilege to uh, be able to be here this evening and uh, bring the Word of God to all of you. Uh, title of my message this evening is Shine Like Stars. And um, maybe some of you uh, caught the little promo on uh, social media. We're, we're trying to be a little more uh, inclusive in, in doing that. And um, we posed a question uh, this afternoon when it was posted saying that we're all familiar with stars, celestial stars, movie stars, rock stars. But what does the Bible mean for Christians to shine like stars? And maybe when you read that this afternoon, you were kind of thinking ahead, hmm, shine like stars. Well, I want to direct us first and foremost to the Scripture, and uh, we're going to sort of take this apart, but foundationally it's going to be found in Daniel 12, 3. And I'll read from the New Living Translation, Daniel 12, 3. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. I'll read that again. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. I want to take a look at two very important words found in this passage. The first is shine, and the other one is stars. So if we're to be as stars that shine, let's find out what that word shine really means. When it says stars shine, I looked up that word in Daniel, in the Hebrew, and it's the word zohau. And it has two main uh, definitions, if you will. The first meaning is teach. That word shine means to teach. It's the same word used in Exodus 18.20 when Moses is given advice by his father-in-law Jethro. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show them how to conduct their lives. So if we are to shine as stars, something we need to be thinking of is that we need to be teachers. We need to instruct right from wrong. People need to look to us to understand what is true. So as we shine, we teach. The second definition to the word shine is warn, to warn. Now this is most often used in the book of Ezekiel, but it's used elsewhere. And there's a very sobering passage in Ezekiel that I'd like to read to you. God is speaking to Ezekiel the prophet, and he says of Ezekiel that you are to be a watchman. He says, Now, son of man, I am making you a watchman for the people of Israel. Therefore, listen to what I say and warn them for me. That word warn, again, is shine. If I announce that some wicked people are sure to die and you fail to tell them to change their ways, then they will die in their sins and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. But if you warn them to repent and they don't repent, then they will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself. At this time, the people of Israel had gone astray and they were not following God and God appointed a prophet to warn them of their unrighteousness. And he was literally to shine God's righteousness to them so they understood the error of their ways and would turn from their unrighteousness and begin to follow the Lord again. 
King Jehoshaphat wisely appointed priests to decide on Israel's legal affairs, carrying the great responsibility to warn people that they were dealing with God. It says, in Jerusalem, Jehoshaphat also appointed Levites, priests, and family heads to decide on matters that had to do with worship and mediating local differences. He charged them, do your work in the fear of God. Be dependable and honest in your duties. When a case comes before you involving any of your fellow citizens, whether it seems large, like murder, or small, like matters of interpretation of the law, you are responsible for warning them. And there's that word. For warning them that they are dealing with God. Make that explicit. Otherwise, both you and they are going to be dealing with God's wrath. Do your work well, or you'll end up being as guilty as they are. Again, these are sobering passages, and yet they're found in the Old Testament. It applies to us because as Jehoshaphat appointed priests, what does it say in 1 Peter 2.5? That we, as Christ followers, serve as holy priests, offering Christ-approved lives up to God. So if we are to be as holy priests, if we are to be as a royal priesthood, so to speak, then we share in that responsibility. And that responsibility is an awesome responsibility. So we need to ask ourselves, do we really take this seriously? I mean, we're not talking about shine like a fluffy Care Bear. I mean, we're talking about shine like warning people that unless they turn from their wicked ways... They will die in their sins. And that's one of the reasons Christ appointed the church to be his mouthpiece mouthpiece to a generation who needs to hear the truth. And if not us, then who? Another thing that stars do is stars guide. They guide. Stars provide guidance to seafarers and cartographers before there were roads, but certainly before there was global positioning systems. People looked to the stars to guide them. They were dependent on the fixed point of the stars in the sky to guide them along the roads, along um, the, the land, or to guide them even across oceans. And they looked to those stars for guidance, and they were dependent upon them. If those stars were not there, or if they could not see the stars, then they would be lost. Let me say that again. The people who were dependent upon the stars to guide them, again, people without roads, people without GPS or electronics, people who were dependent upon the stars, if they could not see them, then they were lost. And if we are to be as stars, then we have to recognize that People who don't know Christ, without us, they're lost. Because the Bible says, unless they hear the word of God, how will they know? How will they know unless they hear? One of the most famous examples of a star guiding is the star of Bethlehem. We're familiar with the passage in Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. 
Later it says, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them. It guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. See, if we're to be stars and people are able to be guided by us, then it begs the question, to where are they guided? The star of Bethlehem guided these men from the east to Jesus. And what did they do? They worshipped him. So aren't we to be like that star of Bethlehem where people would follow us to do what? To worship Jesus. It's the same thing. If a star in the sky can lead men to worship the babe in the manger, then God ought to be able to depend upon us as stars to guide people who don't know him to likewise worship him. That's what we're called to do. Another thing stars do is they illuminate. Stars illuminate. See, the light of a star illuminates great, greatest when it is the darkest. It illuminates what is in the darkness. It exposes what should not be present so that it might be removed. And the church is the hope of this generation because we expose what is hidden in the darkness. It's also the reason why the church is hated and blamed for intolerance because the world calls good evil and evil good. But we're still to be courageous and we're still to be luminaries of God's righteousness because then and only then will we be set apart for God's good purpose. See, we must be sanctified. We must be set apart. We must be innocent and blameless so that our light may shine boldly, not weakly, not dimly, but boldly. Everyone seems to be complaining today. Open up Facebook, listen to the news. Everyone is ranting about something. People are known more by what they hate than by what they love. If you read, everyone is jumping on a, someone's bandwagon. Oh, yeah, I hate that too. Oh, yeah, I hate them too. And there's hate and there's hate and there's hate. But what separates or what is distinctive of God's nature is that God is love. And so, we're reminded in Philippians 2, 14 and 15, do all things without grumbling and disputing. We shouldn't be grumbling and complaining. Why? That you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. If we're going to shine as lights in the world, if we're going to be efficient in shining and exposing unrighteousness, then we need to be blameless. We need to be without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. We need to be someone who can say, this is wrong. And when they look at us, they can't say, yeah, well, you're wrong too. 
they need to be able to see us as someone who follows Christ, that we're speaking his words and not our own, that we're recognized by his love and not our hate. Ask yourself, do people know you more for what you love or do people know you more for what you hate? Now, in the ancient Near East, there was plenty of star worship. Stars were thought to foretell the future and, and were often worshipped. In the Old Testament, particularly in Deuteronomy, God sternly condemned the idolatry of worshipping the sun, the moon, or the stars. In today's culture of celebrity fascination, many people are, well, idolized. And yes, we call them stars. Movie stars, rock stars, football stars, you name it. And through social media like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, people follow actors, singers, athletes more than they follow Jesus. The question is, do you spend more time reading tweets and posts on social media than you do reading chapter and verse in the Bible? Do you follow Jesus more closely than you follow those on social media? We just sang the song tonight, He Knows My Name. Isn't that awesome? Jesus knows everything about you, and he loves you so much he died for you. He knows you by name. And yet I suppose the celebrities you follow have no clue your name or that you even exist. You may know the football schedule of your favorite team or the concert schedule of your favorite band, but all of heaven is proclaiming, look up, better than any rock band. God's glory is on tour in the skies. Godcraft on exhibit across the horizon. Forget a rock band tour. God's glory is on tour. Psalm 19.1. I love the way Peterson translates that. God's glory is on tour. Amen. Let's read this passage in, in the, the New Living Translation. Psalm 19, 1 through 4. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. Oh, there's a fill-in. Um, another thing stars do is they proclaim. Stars proclaim. Again, Psalm 19. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. I like the way this, that verse 1 is translated in the contemporary English version. It says, The heavens keep telling the wonders of God, and the skies declare what he has done. They keep telling. See, it's continuous. The stars keep telling. Stars shine continuously. Stars don't choose whether they will shine or not. They don't, they don't think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to shine tonight. They don't choose whether or not to shine. They shine continuously. So nor should there be any lack of consistency in our lives as a Christian if we truly desire to shine like stars for Jesus in this world. As absurd as it is to think a star would willfully hide its shine, 
so is the notion of a so-called secret Christian or closet Christian. See, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. It says in Psalm 19, we are to continually shine, continually proclaim the glory of God. Why? It says so right here. So that all will praise your heavenly Father. We're not to shine just for shine's sake. It says, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So ask yourself, am I the same each day? I mean, am I really shining consistently? Does does my life as a Christian look different around some people than it does around other people? Do I shine brighter when I'm singing in church than when I'm working in the office? And does my life promote others to praise and glorify God? That's a deep, probing question. Because when Jesus says, let your good deeds shine for all to see, there's a reason for that. It's to promote others to praise God. Is that happening? That's something you need to ask. What else? Stars are always on display. They're always on display. Stars don't choose whether they will be seen. They can't decide some people can see them and some people can't. They're always on display. And let's face it, people are watching us all the time, whether we realize it or not. People are formulating opinions about us and subconsciously evaluating our behavior with our belief. See, none of us are an island, and all of us have influence. And you might think, well, I don't have any influence. I, I barely say a word. Well, what did it say in the Psalms? They're up in the sky without a sound or a word, but people see them. You may not be saying anything, but people are still watching. And you still have influence by what you're not saying, by not going along with the crowd. It's not necessarily everything you say, but oftentimes what you don't say and what you don't do. How are you recognized not only by what you do and say, but what you don't do and don't say? Whether we like it or not, people are judging us. They're judging us by our words and our deeds. And like the stars in the sky, we are always, always on display. So ask yourself this for personal reflection. Do my words and deeds match up with my professed faith as a Christ follower? Does my conduct and behavior align with my biblical beliefs? 
Would someone who knows I am a Christian be surprised by something I said or did? And moreover, would someone who doesn't know I'm a Christian be surprised to find out I was one? We're on display, and we need to live a consistent life as a Christ follower. Next is that stars have their place. And this needs a little unpacking. Remember I said, think of an, an ocean vessel that is dependent upon the stars in the sky, and they're dependent upon those stars being in a fixed place or position. As God created the stars, the stars know their place. They don't decide, no way, God, I'm, I'm going to go over here. They, they don't do that. God, God set the stars in their place. He knows them all by name. So with that, let's look at the other side of the same coin. We just read in Matthew 5.14 that Jesus said to his followers, you are the light of the world. But in John 8.12, we read Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You see, the light we shine is not our own. Jesus said, if you follow me, you will have the light that leads to life. And who is that light? It's Jesus. Apart from him, we can do nothing of eternal significance. And any light we shine that is not from God is a counterfeit light. A light of our own making, directed toward ourselves, one that leads people astray rather than lead people to praise and glorify God. And Jesus had some harsh words for people like that. There were religious leaders who thought they were all that, and they wanted the recognition. They wanted people to follow them. They wanted to say, hey, look at me. And what did Jesus say? What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees? For you love to sit in the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplaces. Yes, what sorrow awaits you? For you are like hidden graves in a field. People walk over them without knowing the corruption they are stepping on. See, think of holding a flashlight and shining it at yourself. Look at me. Look at me. Aren't I so great? Aren't I so talented? Aren't I so rich, so sexually attractive, so skillful on the ball field or behind a guitar? Look at my possessions. Look at my wealth. Look at me. Hear my voice. Come, follow me. See, a star knowing its place speaks of humility. The most striking example was Lucifer, a created angelic being. But because of his pride, he said to himself that he will exalt himself as the Most High. And as a result, God cast him out of heaven, where he roams the earth seeking to lead others astray by following sinful desires instead of following God. But for the Christian, we don't have to worry about the devil trying to snuff out our light. But we do need to worry about sin. Because you see, sin will obscure your light. 
Listen to 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. We need to have the love of the Father in us because that is the light of the Father in us. And remember, the light we shine is not our own. It comes from Him. The world craves the beautiful, craves the wealthy, the talented, the entertaining. And those who love these things more than they love God begin to look more and more like what they focus upon. The Bible says that we are to be the light of the world. And we're to be in the world, but not of the world. In other words, not look like the world. But we need to be in the world because the world needs our light to expose its unrighteousness so that they would turn from their wicked ways and turn toward Jesus and follow him and glorify him. But if we spend more time in the world than we do in the word, if we spend more time in the world than in the word, then our light won't seem so bright. And our efficacy of promoting godliness and leading people to righteousness diminishes. Imagine this. You're camping in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, miles from the nearest town. It's a cloudless night, and you look up and behold the brilliance of all the stars in the sky. I remember when we went camping and we were up north, and I just looked up there, and it was spectacular. When I came back home to Metro Detroit, and it was still a cloudless night. And I looked up and I could barely see the stars at all. And why was that? Why were the stars barely, barely visible? It was because of the ambient light of the city. Well, what happened? In a sense, the world obscured the light of the stars. Remember, as a royal priesthood, we have an awesome responsibility Jesus himself said that we are to be the light of the world. The light of the world. So ask yourself, do the pleasures and entertainment of this world obscure my light as a star designed to shine for Christ? Have I allowed more of the world and less of the Lord in my life? Am I the light of the world or is the world the light of me? Am I the light of the world? Or is the world the light of me? Finally, a star directs. The Greek word for star is aster. And we've spent some time understanding what it meant to shine. But let's take a look at what the word star means. It comes from the Greek word aster. And from that we get the English word asterisk. And what does an asterisk do? 
it directs you to look elsewhere, doesn't it? If you see an asterisk after a word, you go looking somewhere. And you go looking to see what that asterisk was there for. Celebrities do exactly the opposite. See, instead of an asterisk, they use a highlighter. The highlighter says, look at me. Look at my word. It focuses inward upon themselves. But humility, unlike pride, says, don't look at me. Look to God. A star directs you to look elsewhere, and we are to be as an asterisk that says, don't look at me. Don't follow me. Follow God. Instead of holding that flashlight toward ourselves, we point that flashlight up. We point it heavenward. We aim it at Jesus, and we say, look to the Lord. Follow him. Instead of selfish pride that seeks the applause and the notoriety of people, we humble ourselves and point people to the one who alone is worthy of praise. Like Daniel proclaims in our opening scripture, it is then and only then that we are truly wise when we lead many to righteousness. Again, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will what? Shine like stars forever. So our final questions are, am I more like a highlighter, directing attention to myself, or more like an asterisk, directing attention to the Lord? Do people know me more for what I love, or do they know me more for what I hate? Do people recognize Christ, the hope of glory, in me? Does my life indicate that I follow Jesus or that people follow me? And lastly, and probably most importantly, am I actively and knowingly leading someone to Christ. I encourage you to take these questions home and pray over them and answer them not just tomorrow, but the next day and the next day and the next day. These are questions of self-examination so that you can truly live your lives as stars who will shine. Thank you.